Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. Greetings and welcome to today's episode of the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help you prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And if this is your very first episode, you chose to be here. You could be listening to any other podcast right now, but you are here right now. So I want to say welcome. I'm super excited to have you here. And if you're returning, welcome back. As always, I appreciate you so much and I look forward to creating content for you every single week. But whether you are a brand new friend or an old friend, today we get to hang out with Joe Foley. Joe is the CEO at disc.com with over 40 years of experience as a leader in the printing media media, and fulfillment industries. Joe spends every day in the trenches servicing his personal clients and leading the team of over 120 employees, and he's an inspirational leader, always focused on providing the best client experience in the industry. His prestigious clients include entrepreneurs, authors, speakers, and thought leaders on a mission to impact the world as well as corporations. And I know from interviewing and researching Joe that some of those clients include, amongst many others, people like Ariana Huffington, Jay Abraham, Peter Diamandis, Cameron Harrell, JJ Virgin, Joe Polish, Brandon Bouchard. Dan Sullivan, Evan Pagan, just to name a few. And uh, if you're an entrepreneur that's not as much inside of the info product space, some of those names may not be as familiar, but you probably know some of them. Um, going back to Joe's bio, disc.com ships between 5,000 and 20,000 products seven days a week. They make DVDs and USBs and prints, hard and soft cover books, workbooks, virtual event boxes, and all branded products. He's a devoted family man with an incredible wife and two young daughters. He loves meditation, reading, learning, and is involved in his local community. He's a proud member of the Conscious Capitalism Organization and very passionate about sustainability and the environment. Joe loves to use his talent and resources to help make a difference in the world. And in this episode, you're going to learn so much, as always, but three things I want you to look out for is number one, how Joe has landed some of the biggest names in the information product space as clients. Number two, how disc.com has been in business since 1984 and some of Joe's biggest insights for being able to pivot with new technology in the past 37 years. And just a really quick aside, I pulled up some research before recording this and there are 31.7 million small businesses in the United States. And after 10 years, around 33% of those businesses survive. So you can only imagine after 37 years, how many of those companies are still around when Joe started. So uh, going back to it, the third thing I want you to look for is how Joe gets 90% of his businesses from referrals, even as big as he is today, by creating a world-class customer experience. And the last thing I'll say outside of all this stuff is you'll probably get this from listening to Joe, but he's a super humble and down-to-earth guy. And it's so cool to see someone that has a company with over 120 employees who's leading a massive company doing great in the world just to be such a humble, awesome guy. So um, 
with all of Joe's background out of the way, I wanted to give a pre-show listener shout out, which this week goes to The Great Moon, who left a review saying, this podcast may focus on millennials, but let me tell you, Gen X out there, Brandon knows his stuff. I have learned and applied many obvious strategies that only became obvious once he and his guests shared them. Block some time, listen, and invest in you. So thank you so much, The Great Moon, for leaving that incredible review. Absolutely made my day. And if you're a returning listener and you haven't left a review yet, you can head to sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review, and that's gonna tell you exactly how to do that. And if you choose to leave an honest review, I have a little thank you gift I wanna give you just because you're so awesome. (laughs) And I want to give you a hug if I could, but instead I'm going to give you something that teaches how I get the incredible guests like Joe on the show and how you can get the high level connections you need to grow your business. So all those details can be found at sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review. Just hit pause right now. I promise this episode will still be there in just a few seconds. It only takes a little bit. And like I said, it absolutely makes my day, helps more people to find the show and all that other good stuff. So uh, if you choose to do that, I appreciate you. And whether you do that or not, I hope you enjoy this incredible conversation with Joe Foley. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Mr. Joe Foley, welcome to the show. Beyond excited to have you here, my friend. <laughs> oh, I'm so pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So uh, just for some listener context, I know that we first kind of cross paths in Genius Network, one of the world's highest end masterminds that we reconnected because of another group that we're in called Tribe for Leaders. And I remember the very first time that I heard about the work that you were doing and the incredible clients that you work with. I was just blown away by the the people that you work with. And so you do book fulfillment for people like Ariana Huffington, Jay Abraham, Peter Diamandis, Cameron Harold. You worked with people like Joe Polish, uh, Brian Kurtz, Brandon Bouchard, even Nightingale Conant, one of the OGs in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today I'd love to dive into lots of the wisdom that you've had from working with all these clients and also from you know managing a company with over 140 employees. But it wasn't always that way. You didn't always have all these crazy clients. You didn't always have 140 employees, 140 employees. So to kick things off, I'd kind of love to start for you to tell us a story about the first ever live event that you went to in 2008. And it was Jeff Walker's event. So can you just kind of paint us a picture and tell us what happened that day when you were at that event? Okay, that sounds cool. And it is one of my my favorite uh, stories. But I'm going to start with uh, a month before that event, when uh, Jeff invited us. And first, he talked to uh, Cindy from my team. And I said, well, why do we want to go there? I go, you know, we already have the order because we were going to fulfill his first ever product loan formula. She said, well, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll get to fly in the plane, maybe we'll meet somebody. And I said, okay, let's try it. So that was our first ever outside sale. And uh, we went there and it was, you know, super hectic in about 10, 15 before the first break, uh, Jeff said, is Joe Foley and uh, Cindy Tunney here? And uh, we stood up, he said, stand up. So he stood up and, he, and then he went and told everybody uh, that we had done his first product on formula and how awesome it was because everybody at the event had received the, the package, you know, before the event. And he said, if anybody wants to talk to him, they'll be, they'll be out in the, 
in the back uh, during break. And we went out for break and we never came back until after lunch. There was that <laughs> many people hanging out by us. And that's when we learned the, the new world of information marketing. It, it was amazing. We had no idea what the future was going to be. Love that. And just for some context for some people, because I know we have entrepreneurs in different categories, Jeff Walker, one of the pioneers in the information product space. He's the author of Product Launch Formula, and he's just, you know, somebody that's greatly respected in this space. So for, for him to call out Joe and then, you know, have the, I can just picture Joe just being overwhelmed by a mob of people because, you know, because <laughs> Jeff Walker pointed his finger at Joe's direction. Yeah. So that's so cool. I can just kind of visualize that. So, uh, so you know, we kind of started at that, that point with you telling the story about, you know, Jeff Walker, but was he one of the first bigger clients that you had? Or was that, I just kind of wanted to dive in to figure out how you started acquiring these big clients. Was it kind of just a snowball effect that once you started getting one, you started getting referred? Can you maybe share a little bit about how you started working with some of these big name clients? Well, uh, for the information marketers, it actually started with uh, Evan Pagan, who was uh, David David D'Angelo, the double your dating. He was a client and we had no idea uh, who he was. We never even talked to him. We talked to somebody on his team and uh, we actually put like a PDF of some dating advice on a diskette, I believe, and sent <laughs> it out to people. But he's actually the one who told uh, uh, Mike Felsame and John Reese and Mike Honig and Jeff Walker about us. So people started calling us and uh, you know, it wasn't like some brilliant uh, foresight on our part to get into information marketing. Uh, honestly, the uh, our clients found us so super grateful. Yeah, so let's let's unpack that a little bit because you make it sound like it was just magic that like yeah. they just started they just started knocking at your door. So like, t- walk take us behind the scenes a little bit. Like, what is the experience that you're delivering to them? Obviously, if they're gonna if they're gonna recommend you to their other good friends. And you're going to start getting these calls. They they had some experience that make them recommend you so highly. So can you maybe share a little bit about what that is and maybe peel back the magic if there was any? <laughs> okay. Well, um, the entire company and my whole career has always been, uh, I've always been in printing. And um, my goal was always to deliver value-added service. So there's always been a, a focus at this, that, we want to focus on the client's experience. And we tried to make every client, uh, you know, have like a wow experience and become raving fans. And, um, and we were able to, to do that by doing old fashioned things like uh, uh, be on time, you know, follow up, follow through, you know, all the basics, like do everything you say you're going to do. And, you know, under promise, over deliver, all, all the things that I learned the fancy names of now, we were doing them a long time ago. So, um, you know, it's it's really, what I want to pull out for people here is I think it's so important to think about the client experience. And this is something that I'm kind of obsessed about with the podcast is because I've just started to focus. Obviously, this, this content is for you listening right now, but I spend so much time focused on the guest experience too. And I think that's really important for anyone to learn from what Joe's doing and to learn what from what I'm doing on the podcast is like, what is the experience like as somebody interacts with you? What is the touch points like? How, because like all those small things kind of add up over time. And that's kind of what makes people have this incredible experience. So, 
is there anything you else kind of want to add on that, Joe? Because I mean, I know you shared, it's kind of the simple stuff, but sometimes the simple stuff is the most important. So anything else that you think uh, has kind of been, been kind of been your secret sauce to making sure that people have that wow experience? Well, well, throughout our entire uh, uh, 37 years in business, we've never, when someone says, uh, can you do this? We've never said no. You know, we always uh, try to adapt our services to exactly what the uh, customer client needs. And then uh, the other thing we, we try to do is um, something I'm super excited about is if somebody asks for something, I always try to suggest an alternative or, or something that can make it a little bit better. And, um, I've learned that clients don't really buy services. They buy this uh, motion that they feel that they're going to be taken care of. And um, so we, that same Cindy that I mentioned for Jeff Walker, she, I used to hear her on the phone and she would, uh, when she was talking to clients, she'd say, no problem, no problem. And I was like, why do you say no problem all the time? And she goes, oh, it makes the clients feel good. And then I started saying it and I started saying things like, uh, we got you covered, you know, and then recently I say, no worries all the time. No worries. We'll come through for you, you know, and that feeling uh, when people trust you and know of your integrity and that you're not making stuff up. That's that what what makes um, raving fans, I think. Yeah, that I love that so much. I just get this feeling of like, I can do a trust fall and I know that you'll catch, mm -hmm. you'll catch me. And I feel like your yeah. clients feel the same way. And I think that was absolute goal, what you said there. So I wanted to highlight that clients don't buy services. They buy emotions, they buy a feeling. So think about mm -hmm. that. Like once, once you leave Disneyland, you know, like you, you know, you, you have this emotion about this whole experience, the feeling of the whole experience. I just bought a book called be our guest. I haven't even opened it yet to, to start diving into this context of like how Disney creates these incredible experiences. But just think about that. How can you create this incredible customer experience where people just feel like they can trust fall and, and, you know, really trust you to deliver. And I think that that's really incredible. So what, the other thing I wanted to ask though, is like, where do you draw the line between saying yes to everything? And it just like having your business kind of go completely out of whack. Cause you're just following on all these mm -hmm. customer service requests. Where do you draw the line between that and like actually servicing? Cause I know it can be a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a challenge, especially if, you know, the client who's asking you is, uh, you know, friend, long-term client. Of course, the most important part is just to be honest. If somebody's asking for something crazy, just say, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I, I would do that if I could, but we're, you know, we're currently, you know, growing like crazy, which is almost always. So I can always say that. And, and I just tell them the truth that, that that's really cool idea that they have, but it's just not practical for us at this time, but I'm going to figure out a way maybe where I could do it for you in the future. So I try to answer like that. Sure. Okay. So on, on a similar note, cause I mean, that's kind of like, you know, in a sense, that's like setting expectations and like making sure mm -hmm. people understand what you can and can't do. So one of the things that I, I, I know is kind of on the opposite side of the coin is like when you're delivering an experience, there are inevitably things that are going to go wrong, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, and in your case, you're printing, you know, I don't even know ridiculous amounts, hundreds of thousands of, of, of things a day. And, you know, sometimes a, a mistake can happen. So, um, you know, can you maybe share a little bit about how you handle situations that might not, you know, just inevitably things happen where things go wrong? How do you have those kinds of conversations? Because I feel like that's really important too to maintain the relationship. Oh, oh for sure. And uh, 
Yeah, occasionally uh, things happen. I think the most important thing that um, clients want to um, hear from you when something bad happens is uh, right away, I tell them the truth. You know, no, no bluff. Uh, take responsibility, you know, for, for any flaws. And then uh, here's, here's, I think, the part that really makes them happy is um, I say, I'm going to figure out a way that this doesn't happen again. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to build in some checks and balances to the system or procedures so it doesn't happen again. And that way it's kind of like, uh, you know, that the, the pain that they experienced is not going to happen again, really makes them feel good. Yeah. It helps us become better and better and better and learn from every mistake. One of the, uh, your previous guests, uh, Joel Weldon, I, I had a, a mistake on uh, uh, a project I did for him. And he calls up and goes, Joe, that's great. That's just great. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? And we made a mistake. And he kept saying, oh, that's great, Joe. It's, that's great. And then he explained to me that that's the attitude you have to have, that every mistake you learn from it. And you can't just say, oh, I'm never going to do that again. You have to make up a master plan that makes it so that doesn't happen again. So. Yeah, I love that. And here's, this is, this might be, this is, I really wanted to dive into this. So like, I think part of the secret sauce too is client selection. You know, the, the, one of our mutual friends, Jules, I talk about Jules all the time on the show, but Jules talks about how client selection is everything. And part of dealing with difficult situations is that you, it's actually before the difficult situation even happened. And it was the fact that you are working with the right people to begin with. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, Joel's an incredible human being. And like, I can, I can just picture his voice and hear, hear his voice saying, you know, that's awesome or whatever, you know, whatever he said. And so one of the things that I know you focus on is working with heart centered entrepreneurs. And you talk about that specifically. So I would love to kind of maybe dive in here and talk about what does heart centered entrepreneurs mean to you? And then how do you view your process of choosing who to work with, because that's really the secret sauce behind all this stuff too, I think, is you're working with the right people. Right, right. I, I really started to figure that out um, around the time that I joined uh, Genius Network about 10 years ago. I realized, man, these, these people are nice. I, I want to work with nice, cool people all the time, you know, but it really sank in um, about uh, five years ago, uh, we did this job. It was called uh, Truth About Cancer. It was a, a major uh, docuseries, and it was the biggest project, you know, we, we ever worked on in our entire career, like 24 hours a day for two months, you know, filling uh, um, truck after truck after truck with big giant semis full of this physical products that were being shipped all around the world. We were exhausted, but you could. When I talked to the entire team, everybody felt better than they'd ever felt any day, any time. It's because they were working on a project that was going to people all around the world that had been touched by cancer. You know, it changes the effort when you're putting a piece of paper in a box when you know about the big mission and the, where it's all happening. So. That's when the really the giant uh, the sky opened up, and I go, oh my god! And and at the same time, this is kind of a tangent, but it it relates. Is remember how 
corporate disc company was our old fashioned name. And like we used to make discettes be, and that's before some millennials were even born. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember seeing floppy disks, uh, you know, like on the desk of my parents, like back when the the internet would make that horrible screeching noise. But yeah, I was very, very young when that was going on. (laughs) But uh, so our name was corporate disc company and uh, information marketers couldn't stand that name, you know, three big, long, boring old words. So they started calling us uh, disc. And thank God disk was our URL that we were smart enough to get the four four digit URL in 1995. So they started calling us disk, but people started asking, what what does that mean? And I'm like, well, it means diskettes, you know, from a long time ago. But then finally, when this heart-centered question that you're asking, that's when I said, I'm gonna find an acronym that this stands for. So it took a really long time. And then one of my friends, uh, uh, Giovanni, and I were uh, traveling to Fort Bragg. We were going to do a speech for a, a veteran. And he came up with two of the letters, and I came up with the other two. So we came up with delivering inspiration and specialized knowledge. And that was right around the same time that we did this Truth uh, About Cancer docuseries. So we're like, yeah, that's right. That feels good, you know. We want to work with good people, good products. So you had this huge, you know, account with the truth about cancer and you're shipping this out and you saw the huge impact of it. And that was what, that was the actual moment that inspired you to kind of shift gears. Did you, did you have some non-heart centered clients that you were working with in the past and you're like, no more, I'm not, I'm not dealing with those people anymore. And then you changed it. Can you just highlight that a little bit? No, you never really, uh, um, for some reason, uh, attracted any uh, any bad people or bad clients. Because you're such an awesome guy, Joe. That's why. <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of what we um, we're doing is uh, just uh, marketing. And um, up until 2008, most of the things we were doing were uh, uh, computer software and for big big Fortune uh, 500 companies. So we always had pretty prestigious uh, clients, but there is a way you can tell if you have a good client or not in our business. It's very simple. And because we do fulfillment, if, if you get a lot of returns, there's a good chance that your product is not exactly what the client was expecting. So it's just a signal. I don't, I don't feel like I'm the, you know, good housekeeping seal or, you know, I don't, I don't judge everybody, but, I do watch the number of returns that clients get. And it's so obvious, like the good clients have very few returns. Because they're good so people. <laughs> does that inform your how you act with them in the future? Like, have you ever fired a client because of that kind of a thing? Like where like they're just selling, you realize that you, you're helping them fulfill on a product that's actually a terrible product. <laughs> have uh, you ever had to have one of those? I've had a few, uh, you know, conversations where I had to, you know, I did it uh, this way. I didn't like, whenever I had to fire a client, I always say, call them up and say, you know, I'm sorry, we're just not, uh, um, you know, good enough for you. I think it'd be a good idea for you to go find somebody better to work with, uh, that kind of stuff. So you're still know. accepting it's, responsibility for it, even even yeah. though it's 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 about the other person. I think there's there's some nuggets of gold in there as well. And and think about too as you're listening to this, what are the KPIs that indicate you know for for your business? Maybe it's not returns, but like the people that you're working with, 
are they are they upholding on their side of the the bargain of being a good client? And like, if you're not clear on what that is, like Joe's obviously paying attention to his return rates. Like, yeah. you should have some of those metrics in place so that you know that you're heading in the right direction with a client. Yeah. Um. So. Obviously, I, I would I have to ask you this kind of stuff because um, some people are probably thinking, okay, we're talking about physical products and like all this stuff is digital. And like I am a huge fan of integrating the digital and the physical experience. And I, I've I haven't even explored the stuff that I want to explore with it. But you have this very unique perspective of somebody that has worked with you know the biggest names in the industry and you're shipping out these these goods. So I just kind of wanted to start really general and maybe let's talk about some of the unique ways that you're seeing physical products still being leveraged inside of a digital world so that people can kind of be like, aha, this is where I can start using some more of this stuff. Yeah, that's a great, great question. And we've got that question from a lot of clients, like uh, when, even when the internet was first starting, people were saying, well, what are you guys going to do? You're going to go out of business? I'm like, no, no, because there'll always be, uh, you know, physical products to send out. And I know with, uh, uh, I don't see as as competition like it's not like physical products versus digital products. I mean, I love digital products. Um, I uh, consume so many digital products, but I like physical products to be like a complement. Like I, I see it as a, like a just an extra benefit to support the digital. And I think if you're not doing it, you you should consider it or you know. Digital marketers know all you have, all you need to do to find out if it's good for you is do a little test, and um, that that's the easy way. And it, it, most of the time, if you give people the option, uh, would you like the digital or the physical product or both? Most of the time, they'll pick both. You know, and pay a little extra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it just here's here's. Uh... An example that I want to just bring to the table, and maybe Joe, you could think about other ways to add on top of this. But if you are an entrepreneur that has a SaaS product, or you have some kind of continuity in your business where you're charging someone every single month, if you can start integrating, at least this is what I've heard, and I think this is a brilliant strategy, is that if you can start integrating physical products along with their, you know, digital monthly subscription, because like you get most products that are continuity based or SaaS based, if you're not doing things the right way, you know, you have like a two to three months where somebody is going to start to churn. And if you strategically start introducing physical product, physical gifts at, at points where people are about to churn, you can, you know, increase the amount of time that a customer will spend with you. And that's like free money right there, because it's like, then you don't have to acquire a new customer. So that's one way that I thought of that we can start integrating these physical products. Are there any other ways that you've seen, Joe, that people are using to, physical products to enhance a digital experience that that results in, you know, things like reducing churn? Yeah, and one of my favorites, uh, Keith, Keith Vargas from uh, Advanced Reach. He he was super successful online uh, training program. And he decided to add the physical component, so we did a. It was a I think a seven week course. So we printed a workbook for each of the seven weeks, put it inside a, a sealed envelope. And of course there was a little bit of merch, you know, like a coffee mug and a pen and uh, a couple other things included in the box. So it, when the box showed up, um, you know, a few days before week one, it got you um, a lot of it. Dude, your your training class is starting next week on Monday, and then you 
so you follow through the different envelopes and I think it keeps you engaged and um, digital is awesome, but a physical workbook um, is definitely helpful to um, help you keep some notes and follow along. And I think it keeps you involved and uh, I think you're more likely to finish the program if you get a physical product. Yeah. And I love it how end to end, you know, starting from the customers that you work with and delivering them with incredible experiences, you're also doing the same for the products that they are shipping to their customers, right? Like you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're not only giving a good wow experience for the client, but the client's client, it's kind of some right. in, inception stuff here too. And I think this is important to talk about too, is like, what is the experience like when somebody receives their product in the mail? And again, as somebody that is shipping so many of these things, you, you have a unique perspective. So like, have you, you know, any things that you've seen that have really stood out as far as giving somebody an incredible experience when they open a package? Because it's like, you know, you can imagine you have a, a thing that shows up at your door, you bring it, you set it down your kitchen table. What is that experience like from what is on the box to the first things that you open? And like that can really enhance the experience when you do it the right way. So long-winded way of setting up the question, what are some of the coolest ways that you've seen people use packaging to enhance their experiences with these products that you're sending? Well, I know um, recently um, with the other uh, virtual, you know, live events, we've been sending out so many uh, boxes and uh, from cool four color printing on the outside of the box, then you, then you open up the flap and inside all the sponsors and all the, all the goodies. I think that's super exciting. Uh, did that for uh, uh, JJ Virgin um, Mindshare Summit. It's one of the coolest boxes I, I've ever uh, printed. But also do something great for uh, John Bowen. He's a financial advisor. He sends out um, everything he does is super high quality hardcover books that we print. And then every month you get a beautiful uh, newsletter. And it's like, it's not regular paper. It has that uh, soft touch lamination. It's all black and gold and four color pictures. And, you know, when you're reading that, you're like, this is high quality. You know, it's not like a, you know, sales letter type of material. Those are some of my favorites. Uh, even just little uh, uh, stickers on the outside of the box get people excited. One little message, you know, about you're not going to believe what's inside is enough to get anybody crazy. Like, and you're, you're pretty much love to open boxes unless it's just a brown, ugly brown box with nothing on it. Even still, you're still a little bit curious what's inside. Right. Amazon's yeah. conditioned us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, you, you mentioned stickers and I think this is a really important thing too, because, uh, you know, Joe Polish is always talking about response mechanisms and call this 1-800 mm -hmm. number. And I think Russell Brunson on his tr expert secrets trilogy box that I received, he put a QR code on the outside of the box. And it was like, before you open this box, make sure you watch this, this mm -hmm. video or something like that. So any other, so I just want to highlight for some people too. It's like, how can you enhance the experience, put a sticker on something or, you know, make them pause and think and have a different experience than just tearing open a box. Can you make them stop and enjoy it a little bit more? So any other of those response mechanisms that you've seen really work really well, you already mentioned kind of like a post-it note or, or QR codes, but those yeah. are all really cool ways to enhance the experience. Yeah. We do a lot of uh, personalized notes. 
So when you uh, um, open the box and then uh, then there might be a card right on top, um, you know, hey, Brandon, and, you know, welcome or something like that. Um, I know you mentioned uh, Joe Polish with his uh, Polish 800 number. It's really similar to the QR code. Um, he even uh, he even had me put um, a sticker on Cricket on purpose, and I was like, I don't know. I wanted it to be straight, <laughs> but he he said Cricket, but he wanted it to to stand out or uh, uh, make it. Uh, I put a fluorescent green sticker on uh, Ben Ben Hardy's book. Uh, Willpower doesn't work, and I put it on Cricket, and I was like. No, it's a beautiful dust jacket. <laughs> We're putting this sticker on Cricket, but everybody read that sticker and did what it told them to do. You know? Yeah. Well, I think that that there's a broader lesson in that of like, what is the pattern interrupt? Because it's like, mm -hmm. if it's straight, you don't think about it. But if it's slightly crooked, you think about it at least just a little bit more. You hang mm -hmm. on to it for one second. You know, like I received a, a piece of mail the other day where the stamp was on Cricket. And it's like, it, it's like, it, it makes you think, yeah, it's a little sloppy, but it's like, oh, maybe somebody put this on by hand, even though I probably know it was, it was a machine that did it anyways, just yeah. adjusted, adjusted a little bit crooked. But um, yeah, I think, I think that that's really important to think about too. How can you make, how can you slow down the experience? I had somebody on the show, um, Mark McShirley, and he was talking about how, you know, sometimes in business, all you want to do is decrease friction, make things easier and easier for people. But sometimes you can do the exact opposite and actually increase friction, make things slower. Mm -hmm. And by playing with friction, you can create these interesting experiences. Yeah. Brendan uh, Bouchard uh, mentioned something to me that I thought was brilliant. He, we used to send out, uh, before all his trainings were online, we used to send a box that was this big. We called it a big guy box. And it was filled with so much stuff. Um, you know, and he, and he said the reason he did that is he, he wanted to be a guest in everyone's home. So he really thinks having uh, something physical in everybody's home, you know, he wants his current, like now he does his uh, planners. He'd like to see his planners on everybody's desk or near their favorite chair where they do their best thinking or maybe next to the bed, you know, where they're uh, meditating and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it was funny. I was on a TFL meeting and if, if you're listening to this and you're, you're new to the show, you know, you've probably heard me mention TFL, but Jules Duncan and Kevin Thompson are both co-founders of TFL. And it's also where, where Joe and I are a part of it. But if you go listen to either Jules or Kevin's message, you, uh, episodes, you can listen to it a little bit more, but, um, what they, what they, what I was talking, I was in a TFL meeting the other day with Kevin and I was talking about this whole, you know, idea about creating an incredible customer experience. And I mentioned there's somebody I'm studying right now. His name is John Rulin and he has this bo uh, book and process called giftology. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and of course, Kevin's like, Oh, I know Kevin, I'll introduce you to John. So like, we'll see, we'll see if something comes of that. But all that to say, uh, one of the things he teaches in giftology is that he does strategic gifting for high-end clients, right? So like, how do you strategically gift something that is in a memorable experience? And one of the things I thought was brilliant that he teaches is that what he specifically likes gifting kitchen items because mm -hmm. they're, they're high frequency that you're actually using them. And plus, if you're dealing with high rollers, they already have a $10,000 watch, you know, they're going to, you're going to send them a watch and they're going to be disappointed. But, you know, if they already, if they only have a, you know, 
a $10 wine opener and you send them a $300 wine opener and it's this incredible experience. They're using it all the time. They're thinking about you more. So all that to think, say, you know, what, what Joe does as well with the products and what you can think about too, is how can you send these things to people so that there's a physical representation, a physical memory associated with a product that you put in someone's hands that they're thinking about you more. So that could be a t-shirt if you, you want something super simple or like these products that we're delivering on. I think it's really important to think about how often you are triggering someone to actually think about what you do in your business. Yeah, like John, uh, when he, uh, I know him, and he sent me one of his uh, uh, little gifts, and uh, it was like, a, it looked like a piece of steel, and it had like a magic marker note on it. That was cool. And then there's another one that's engraved. That's amazing. Uh, once I was at an event, and they, they had a, a gift from him, and it was uh, this fancy knife, and I was like, I think they, he used to be a Petco like yeah. guy, like like Cal Elrod and lots of other uh, cool people. But I got this uh, fancy knife, and I was like, well, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't that excited. My wife is still excited about it. We're, <laughs> we're going on uh, eight years or something, you know. She breaks out the fancy knife. She knows where it came from, how I got it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's another thing that John teaches. I don't know. We'll see if we can materialize where I get an intro and I can have him on the show too. But it's just so brilliant to think about because he also talks about gifting a gift that impacts the the heart of the home. You know, exactly mm-hmm. what you just shared, like your wife is using it and like that makes it even you know more exciting than if it was yeah. just a gift that, that you're using. So, so smart. Yeah. Um, yeah. So similar to creating these incredible experiences for people, another topic that I thought I don't know if you do this kind of fulfillment, but at least I know you're you're a direct mail guy. You know this kind of stuff. Is the topic of lumpy mail? <laughs> uh, so um, I don't know if you help help with it, but but for somebody that doesn't know what lumpy mail is, can you explain what it is and then share some experiences if you have them of how clients are using it? Okay. Yeah, I do um, love the uh, lumpy mail. Don't do too too much of it. I do more <laughs> of the um, physical products. Usually, it's an envelope or a box with a, you know, a book in it or stuff, but lumpy mail is cool. Like it really just means an envelope with something kind of sticking up. So the minute you, you open it up because you want to see what's inside you, it's more than paper. So you're like intrigued. I, um, I was looking around on my desk just now and I actually realized that I have some cool lumpy mail on my desk. So I must be totally into it. You, you get uh, pens. I got this cool uh, 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 key ring flashlight. Those are things like you get them in the mail and you keep them, you know? Yeah. And I think it's something everybody should try. Even uh, even uh, uh, for the people that are totally digital, send out a postcard and have some fun with it. Uh, do an oversized postcard. Those get a lot of attention now when you're, when you get, your mail every day, which isn't very much anymore. And there's a, a giant postcard there. You're going to check it out. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I'm afraid I'm going to ruin this a little bit, but I, I guess I'm just going to do it anyways. But uh, so Joe, I want to take you behind the scenes about a card that you're probably going to receive from me in the future. But I just think it's, it, it's, it's important, but I, I bought these 3d glasses uh, and I send them as thank you notes to guests and there's this uh, site I use where you can generate um, a pixelated image and you can embed a, uh, like a message in it. So like I'll, I'll embed a thank you note for a guest where it says, thank you, Joe. 
And like, you can't read it just looking at this thing because it's a super pixelated image. But if you put yeah. on the 3D, if you put on the 3D glasses, uh, you can see it'll say a secret message. So like, I'll send these thank you notes to guests as a way of leveraging lumpy mail and creating a unique experience. And I was just talking to Kevin Thompson about this the other day. So I sent these glasses to Kevin and he opened it up because it was kind of strange and his, his grandkids were in the room and they're like, you know, grandpa, what is that? And then like now, now the whole family is like looking at through these 3d glasses. So it's a perfect example of leveraging lumpy mail to capture attention and create an experience for somebody that then just a normal thank you note that other people are are sending. So if if that gives some people another way about how you can use lumpy mail, there you go. There's one. (laughs) That's brilliant. You know, everybody knows the value of, you know, using the personalized mail, you know, using somebody's first name in the mail. But uh, I like also to uh, add their picture is really cool. I remember at uh, uh, Genius Network annual event uh, four or five years ago, um, I had an idea to put everybody's picture on the cover of their directory. So, so when everybody got to the event, you know, which is, I think, maybe uh 250 300 people when they got to their chair the directory and their picture of them on the cover and they're like oh my god i'm on the cover of the genius network but it was just a personalized photo but i have a feeling everybody still has those yeah directories where their pictures on the cover i would say so and it's just a challenge for you to think about too like what if what if instead of having a bajillion clients you focused on servicing a smaller amount at a really, really high level. And you created, mm-hmm. you were able to create these incredible experiences for people just because it's, I just think it's a better way to develop long-term relationships with people. Yeah. And and if you want another example of somebody who's doing this, somebody else that's in TFL that, that I've interviewed on the show, his name is David Roy Newby. And he has a, a, a mastermind he's starting for billionaires. And this is how he contacts billionaires is, 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 is and you can listen to that episode about how he does it, but he sends lumpy mail to these billionaires with these customized things. Um, and he gave me this idea that I bought it the other day. You, if you, if you go on eBay, uh, you can, if you look up Zimbabwe, a hundred trillion dollar bill, you can get a $100 trillion uh, bill from Zimbabwe. It's just kind of a, a crazy thing to send someone. It's cause it's got so many video, uh, video or zeros on it. And they yeah. ship me one and they, they toss an extra $10 billion bill in there with me. And I just thought it was kind of funny. I use it as a bookmark now, uh, but there's lots of fun, creative ways that you can do this. And this is the side of marketing that I don't think it's talked about as much. We're talking about all these digital funnels and that's why I, so, I wanted to have you on the show so we can nerd out about this kind of stuff, because I think this yeah. is the really fun stuff where it's like, if once you have someone in your world, how can you create an incredible experience so they're not going to forget about it yeah yeah it's funny it's funny you you mentioned uh uh david and that application because he's he's one person who came up with something that uh first off it took him like a half hour to tell me about all the different stages of this mailing he was going to do and i was like oh my god it take a half hour just to explain it to me and then it was going to take like three or four days to prepare one one package and i said that is so cool. I want one, but that's not a good fit for what we do. If we're going to yeah. send out, you know, 5,000 to uh, uh, 20,000 packages a day, we can't be working on something that takes us three days to pack up. Yeah. So yeah. Th- that's a good thing for someone to note too. So like, where do you draw the line, Joe, then between what's too customized? Cause I mean, some of it, if you're doing a customized package to a billionaire, you're probably not going to partner with someone like you to fulfill it. But if you're doing right. something unique for your, your entire list, is that kind of like the best way for people to think about this whole topic that we've been talking about? Yeah. Like, uh, um, um, 
say t- today, um, we're sending out uh, 150 customized packages to a mastermind group. Uh, we did like 200 yesterday. Those are like good good fits for uh, you know live events. And but we have a lot of clients that do you know 10 packages a day. But it's uh, it's small quantity, but it's every day, you know, seven days a week. Yeah. Awesome. Well, th- that that's fun. And I think everybody should check out DISC when they're doing this kind of stuff. And that'll be really cool for them to dive into. Um, this is going to be kind of like a 180 kind of a question. But, um, okay. you know, you, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, you, you started in 1985. What was the year? Sorry. 84. 84. Close. I was close. Um, yeah. So in 84, you know, you were dealing with a, an entirely different world than what it is today. And I know from another show I listened where you were on, you were talking about how you, there have been many times where you've had to pivot and change like six and seven times because of technology changing. And so I wanted to have this conversation with you because I think it's so important for thinking, people to think about the long term of their business and how to survive for, I think you said 37 years now, which is right. which is absolutely incredible. So how do you think about uh, changes and maybe if you could share one of the most memorable experiences where you had to make a pivot and how you were able to kind of come back from that. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I know this year because of the pandemic, you know, people are saying, uh, you know, they had a pivot, they had a pivot. And I was like, I started thinking about it, like, well, geez, we, we've been pivoting for 37 years. So <laughs> it's a, we constantly pivot. And what we mean by that is we're just, we just adapt our services to whatever the clients are asking for. And then we try to anticipate what they're, they can need in the future. So we usually, uh, someone asks for something new, we, we give it a shot. And then if that works out good, then we expand our offering, you know, in that area. So we're, we're really like testing every service that's possible so that we can meet the needs of our clients. And that's why we've survived uh, 37 years without any cool marketing. Like uh, we get 90% of our business from referrals and, and we don't, we don't pay for referrals or any kind of affiliate programs. Like Jeff Walker was doing a testimonial for us once at a live event and he goes, yeah, he goes, I, I've probably given uh, Joe thousands of cookies and all I get is a Christmas cookie once a year. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But he, he doesn't mind because you, when you give a referral, you want it to be, um, you do it because you really believe that it's going to help, you know, who you're referring. But uh, back to your question, some of the cool pivots were, uh, the very first one was uh, we started out doing this private label diskettes. And that was, uh, we take a company uh, name and we put it on the little envelope of those floppy diskettes that you saw when you were super young. <laughs> or, uh, so we'd take a company like United Airlines or uh, uh, Motorola or Boeing or something and print their name on there. And then uh, people started calling on the telephone and they, they said, do you, do you guys duplicate diskettes? And we said, no, no, sorry, we don't do that. And, uh, and then another person uh, calls up, do you duplicate diskettes? And we said, no, no, sorry. And then somebody calls up and says, do you want to buy a diskette duplicating machine? And we go, yes, we do. So we bought one of those. And um, 
in the heyday of computer software, we had 220 of those machines all like daisy chained together because when um, Microsoft would make a change to their software, like if it went from uh, Windows 3.1 to 3.11, every software developer in the world had to update their software. So, uh, you know, our phone is ringing off the hook and um, that was a, a major pivot. And then we started printing, uh, I hope the long answer is okay. So I'm just on a chain roll of pivots. Well, I just, I, I think it's, I think it's cool for people to think about like to be in business for 37 years, you, yeah. you, you, there's no way you can survive that long unless you're changing. And so I mm-hmm. think it's really cool that you're talking about how you were listening to customers and leveraging yeah. that to, so, so th- I want to actually dovetail a little bit here. So we've been talking about, we talked earlier about when you have a conversation with a client, how to listen to them and how to fulfill on their needs. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't make a fit or otherwise you'll recommend something else or whatever it may be. But on a very similar topic to this, and there's a, there's a kind of a little bit of a tweak I want to ask on this question that's kind of similar is, is how do you listen? And it's kind of a very specific, kind of a strange question, but I'll, I'll, I'll highlight a little bit why is because sometimes you get these customers that are giving you all this feedback and you can go crazy trying to implement all this stuff, you know, entire inside your entire business. So how do you discern relevant things from irrelevant things when it comes to surviving and handling these pivots? Wow. Um, that's a good question. I'm going to have to uh, study that because I think it at work, I must be a good listener because we've been, you know, so successful at listening. But at home, uh, my wife tells me I'm not such a good listener. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to work on uh, figuring that out. But I think, honestly, um, you know, the best clients um, tell you authentically exactly what they need. And uh, then we were talking about that uh, emotion mm-hmm. of um, if you take the client saying exactly what they need. And then you think of that emotion that's what they really want. You know, they want the safety, security, uh, knowing that you're going to handle everything. Every I is going to be dotted and T's crossed. And um, that's, um, I think I'm going to have to learn more about listening, but we must be good at it. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. Yeah. And there's something you said that, that I think is so relevant is that at the end of the day, all we want as humans, they're all the same things. You know, like you said, safety, security, like, you know, Abraham's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, like we need to have those important things fulfilled. And sometimes, you know, as marketers or entrepreneurs, you're trying to do new, new, new and create all these crazy things. But if you really strip it down to the first principles, mm-hmm. it's just, are you delivering on those, those safety and security mm-hmm. and those things that you, that, that you do so well with your clients? Yeah. Okay. So here's another kind of an interesting transition. Um, another, another thing I saw in another podcast you did. You had, you had the opportunity to thank um, the people that that you were grateful for in your life. And they, they, they specifically encouraged you to thank some people that were not, you know, your immediate, you know, your wife and your kids and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that kind of just came up and I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a, 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 a little bit of a detour and see if this will go somewhere. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you said you, 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 you thanked your brother-in-law that got you into sales and you were in, insanely grateful for your brother-in-law. So could you maybe tell a little bit about that story about how you got into sales and what your brother-in-law had to do with it? Okay. When I graduated from college, I went to work at a, a retail store and wasn't so keen on sales. I, I thought sales had something to do with like selling cars or something. But the retail store, I really loved it. And I met my brother-in-law for uh, 
breakfast and he was a super successful uh, commercial real estate guy. He said, well, why don't you try, try sales? And he taught me, um, he said, well, you don't want to live your whole life and then, you know, have regrets. So that was a super cool thing that he taught me. Um, he said, let's just give it a try. And I did give it a try. I started selling uh, um, uh, printing and uh, it changed, changed my life. And I've realized that I never really sold anything. I was always just helping people get what they want, you know. So once you think of it like that, you know, I never want to sell anybody anything that they didn't want. Like if somebody wants to order a uh, uh, 5,000 books from me and do a free plus shipping offer. I ask him, yeah, are you sure you want to start with 5,000? You know, why don't you start with 100? And then and when you blow through those, uh, order 250. You know what I mean? Don't, um, I don't want to have a warehouse full of uh, people's stuff that they didn't plan accordingly. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I never, I never think about selling as being, uh, you know, the transaction, how much money I'm making. I always think about it as, uh, is that person going to be happy with uh, service? Are they going to appreciate us? All right, and are we going to get referrals? Because we have learned that referrals are the, you know, really are the blood of corporate disc and how every client's. Uh, got to us and we want to keep it going. Yeah. Uh, two things there. One, obviously, I think I don't think I specifically asked you about those referrals. So I want to make sure I didn't forget about that. But two, I just want to highlight too, for people that like, you can be a super nice, awesome guy like Joe and still do a great job and, and yeah. selling. Like, I think that there's this connotation about sales that, you know, you, I, I'm considering getting a new car right now. And it's just like, sometimes these, this shit that people do to try to sell you a car is just ridiculous. Yeah. And then like puts this disgusting taste in your mouth, you know? Uh, so, so that's one thing. But uh, as far as like the referrals, I know you said that you've, you've done, you know, you, you said 90% of your business comes from referrals, but you don't like, you don't have a structure behind this. Your, your secret sauce is really just doing a good job. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Or like mm -hmm. 90% is pretty crazy. I know. Well, we've been, um, you know, keeping track of it. And, and it's true when the, we got on the internet in 1995, uh, uh, we did start uh, with our website and we tried some, you know, search engine optimization. And so we did advertise in magazines in the 80s. There were magazines called uh, Computer Reseller News and PC Week. Stuff. But uh, since that time, um, no, no, we haven't, haven't been advertising. And it's uh, it really comes down to um, when people call on the phone for the first time, we say, uh, you know, how'd you hear about us? And I'm actually hoping it was from our website or from a Facebook ad or something. No, most of the time it's a referral. <laughs> but, yeah, I heard your name on this podcast or uh, uh, Brendan Bouchard told me to call or, you know. It's been uh, an amazing uh, uh, run. And uh, like Brendan Bouchard with his uh, program since uh, 2008 or something, when, when he got started, he um, he's probably told thousands of people to call us. You know, same thing with Jeff Walker. So um, it's pretty cool. And the uh, uh, Genius Network has a lot of uh, friends. I, 
I joined that group for because um, I don't get to talk to um, customers all the time. You know, a lot of times we we talk with the team while the uh, you know while Brendan's off uh, um, making content. You know, we're working with his his team and stuff. So, so I went there to meet to meet some of my clients, and I found out hey, I'm not in Genius Network to uh, make money. I I enjoy it there. I like being around uh, uh, people that um, just like in our group, five for leaders. It's like, it's really cool to hang out with people that uh, are so passionate about what they do. And you just learn from every conversation and uh, long-term relationships are the, I think, the key to life. There's no short-term transaction in my life. That's for sure. Yeah. So many things that you said that were so valuable, but just first, first, and the most simplest thing is like doubling down on what's working for you. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. Joe was noticing that, that all of the things went from referrals. And so instead of trying to figure out Facebook ads or SEO mm-hmm. or advertising more magazines, he kind of just ignored that and doubled down on, on, on leveraging those referrals. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. what is it for you that you're, you know, creating a lot of effort and not getting the results? How can you get rid of that and focus on what's relevant for you? And the other thing you said at the end there is, you know, the topic of hanging out in, in Genius Network and hanging out with people and long-term relationships. And I know, um, Joe, you, you've, I've heard you in other places, you kind of self-identify as being an introvert. Um, right. And I, I thought this would be kind of interesting to talk about is because I think people that listen to the show, it's pretty obvious that I'm an extrovert. I talk super fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have high energy. And, and so I can't bring this perspective uh, of, of somebody that would self-identify as somebody that's more of an introverted entrepreneur um, to the audience. So for entrepreneurs that are listening that do kind of self-identify with somebody that is more introverted. Any advice that you'd give to to them that because you've done obviously such a fantastic job growing your company and as an, as an introvert, um, you know, you have to sometimes play in these extroverted fields. So kind of curious if you wanted right. to share any insights for people from that. Yeah. I um, First off, uh, it took me a while. Like I always thought being an introvert was a weakness. And uh, especially when I went to Phoenix uh, Network, when I first got there, I was like, oh, this is cool. These are, these people are amazing. And then I'm like, I was shy or, you know, afraid to speak up. And uh, then I go, go home at night and I was like exhausted, you know, being around extroverts is very tiring, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you do um, learn that there's two kinds of people in the world and uh, you should just be, be proud of who you are and, be happy about it. Uh, and another example is uh, crazy one. I, uh, it was that same car ride with uh, Giovanni when we were, we were driving to Fort Bragg to uh, speak at this uh, event for uh, veterans, and everybody was a cool speaker except me. I was a nervous wreck, um, sweating bullets, and when I I got on stage, I bumbled through my presentation all, all the uh, other cool guys there was like eight speakers um i was positively the eighth best speaker and uh, at the uh, uh i was just a mess and then at, out in the lobby um people came up and talked to me and they uh people uh, a couple guys said you know i really liked you the best those those other guys were too flashy i I believe you, you know? So then I thought, oh, maybe it's cool to uh, uh, mumble and stumble and just be yourself, you know? That 
people like you to be open and honest. So I'm trying to break out of my introvert ways and speak up. Yeah, I think there's a huge lesson there too in in just being authentic. And that was like one of the, especially as a podcaster too, I've, I've tried my best to be good at sharing, sharing things that are kind of uncomfortable with sharing. And, you know, even, even if something as simple as recording the intros, like when I record the intros to a show, it's like, I'll screw up and I'll leave those in there. Cause it's like, you know, if you, if you have a screw up, you know, nobody reads perfectly. You're going to say things that sound yeah. funky. You're going to flub your words. And it's just like, if you're so polished all the time, people can't relate to that and resonate with that. So I love that you had that experience that kind of taught that to you. But again, mm-hmm. as, as someone listening to like, you don't, you don't have to be polished because I think it kind of puts a, a face up that, that people don't even trust you as much because you don't even seem like a human. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a few of the, few of the topics that I know we're coming up on time here, but I, I, I had to ask, so, um, any any huge innovations that you're excited about coming up in the printing world that that you're seeing your your new clients doing? I know you talked. I saw saw a video about these video cards that are being sent. So maybe talk a little bit about what those are, or any other things that you'd be excited about um, when it comes to integrating the digital and physical experience. Okay, I do uh, I do love those uh, uh, video cards. Those are cool. Like you you open them up like a book, and then the video starts playing. It's a it's a definite uh, wow experience. I think uh, um, one guy, uh, Todd, uh, told me that he sent sent one to the NFL and got like uh, some giant uh, speaking engagement. You know, so even though the the printed video is pretty expensive, they cost like twenty five dollars. But if it gets you a fifty thousand dollar keynote uh, speaking engagement, that's that's a pretty good thing. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I really like those. Uh, another cool idea is uh, something we kind of talked about earlier that's super basic is uh, just putting uh, a sticker on the box with somebody's picture on it. Um, I sent uh, a box to a, a client and um, I took a, this picture from a website and I put it on there and I said, you know, uh, personalized gift from disc for, and then just had the person's name, but I know that that got opened and with a smile, you know what I mean? And it was just a little label sticker. So. Yeah. That's, that's, I, that's so cool. Um, those video cards. So like you, you said that $25 each. So like, say for example, I wanted to send a shock and all box to like, you know, someone, someone to get their attention. Is mm-hmm. it something as simple where I could, I mean, I'm sure the setup costs are not worth it. I wouldn't be paying $25 for one thing you're talking about if i were to create a video that would be intended to send to multiple people they would cost about 25 dollars. or or is it possible that i could record like an actual one-on-one video for one person have it produced and sent to them yeah you can you can buy a hundred of them for 25 dollars each so they're they're expensive but then you could put um like what i do on mine is i have one static video then there's another button um that has the personalized video on it so the minute it opens up it would say hey brandon go here i'm just so excited to be on your podcast can't wait to hang out with you that kind of stuff and then the third button could be um kind of like call to action button you know man hey brandon if you're super fired up press this other button you know see how you can get a hold of me how does that even i'm just going to chase this rabbit hole how does that even work so like 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 do you 
if I recorded a video for every single podcast guest and I wanted you to send a personalized thing for them, like, yeah. how does that, like, how do you produce that? <laughs> well, for, first we print the, the printed video and inside it has the pretty much like a USB inside. So that holds the videos. And then the, if you sent me the personalized ones for every podcast, the, you just, you just email me the video and we would load it on there. Just kind of like you put a file on a USB. Sure. But that's simple. Man, crazy. So, so many yeah. cool things. I want to ask a retro question too, because I, I okay. watched the video, I watched the video that you did with Joe Polish, um, doing a tour of your facility mm-hmm. and you were, and he, there was a part of this video. I can, I can link it up in the show notes for somebody if you want to watch it, but like they're taking this tour and like, you, there was a part where Joe is holding up like a, or you held up a hand, you're both Joe's. So I can say Joe either way, yeah. Uh, yeah. but you're holding a, a handful of like plastic that was made or oil or something like that. Yeah. That's what you make a disc. So just kind of for fun so that somebody listening can share with their, their significant other or a friend, a, a wonky fact for a day. How does a disc work? Like if I put in a DVD or a CD, it's made of plastic. How does that end up playing a sound and, and like, or, or producing a movie? <laughs> well, I'm not sure I know the answer to all that. Okay. <laughs> I, do know, I do know that, um, you know, after uh, we started doing the computer software, you know, how we duplicated the diskettes, you know, I, that those are all like uh, zeros and ones, just like digital stuff. Sure. Yeah. And then uh, same thing with CDs and DVDs. They're, they're made out of uh, polycarbonate. And that's that stuff that Joe Polish was holding his hand. It just looks like uh, um, black candy, and but it's made made out of oil. And that's how you make e- everything that's plastic. So it's just some super pure, really crystal, perfect plastic that you make the DVD out of. And you put like a shiny coating, and that's what the DVD player. Uh, it has a laser in there and it reflects off the shiny coating and it basically reads all those zeros and ones just like on your computer screen has all those and then uh same thing with printing um you know when you print on a digital press or a printing press it's, it's all kind of the the same thing it's all easy stuff man uh, so I did a podcast interview with AJ Jacobs, uh, and that should have been before this episode. So you can go check that out. But AJ, if you, if you're listening to this, you don't know who he is. He's a four times New York times bestselling author. And one of the projects he did was called thanks a thousand. And where he, he tried to thank everybody that was responsible for his morning cup of coffee. And it turned into like very quickly, like an impossible task. Cause it's like, you have to thank the person that made the lid that thank the person that made the, the, um, the thing that that protects you from burning, which AJ uh, taught me, it's called a zarf. For fun uh, fact, it's called a, a zarf. And then you have to thank you have to thank the people that paint the lines of the trucks that delivered it. Cause, you know, so like the, the whole moral of the story is that like you know all these things are going around us is like a little miracle. And like that's what that mm-hmm. reminded me of is like you know the DVDs that we make of are made of polycarbonate oils mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's just kind of crazy to like think about all the little miracles that happen in our world every single yeah. day. So th- thanks for sharing how DVDs are kind of made. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, last question that I've been asking guests that I think is a lot of fun, Joe, and, and then we can kind of wrap it up and find out where people can find out more. But what does what does happiness mean to Mr. Joe Foley as after somebody that has spent so much time in self-improvement and worked with some of the coolest clients in the world? What does it mean to you these days? Well, 
I, I'm all about um, you know, serving, you know, like I want, I want to, uh, uh, you know, live and be present, of course. I'm going to love. So I'm all about family, like being a, a dad's the most important thing in my life. And then I'm also a dad at, at work with uh, 140 people. Um, I, I do have a cool partner named David and together uh, we lead that, that huge team and we're all about uh, serving people. And uh, we, we work together with our teams, their training, and then we want clients to have a great experience and all that um, makes you feel pretty good at the end of every day. Uh, you're, you're tired. Then you wake up with that cool positive attitude and all the personal development. We've had so many cool clients that I've learned so much from, you know, from health and wellness, personal development. So I, I do get the opportunity to learn a lot from the great clients I have. And then I wake up every day and do the best I can. And it makes you really happy. And it doesn't matter exactly what you're doing. If you're uh, sweeping the floor or loading uh, uh, physical products in a box, it feels good to know that uh, your hard work is meaningful and uh, it's going to help somebody and hopefully uh, help them make a bigger impact in the world. So it feels pretty cool. Love that. I will not add anything else to that. That was so, so cool. So where can people find out more about the incredible stuff that you have going on, Joe? Well, we try to keep it really simple. We have that four, four letter URL, B-I-S-K. That means delivering inspiration, specialized knowledge. And then my email is super easy. Go at disk, B-I-S-K. And nice. I want to help, uh, everybody big or small i've got a huge team to uh support me and uh love to serve anybody that wants to make a difference in the world awesome thank you so much joe for sharing that i will link that all up in the show notes and as always i just want to say a few things to the people that are listening right now if you are new this is the very, very first episode you ever listened to. I'm glad that you decided to drop in on me and my conversation with my friend Joel Foley and I today. It's an honor having you hanging out with us. And I hope you become a regular listener and subscriber. And as you could tell, I like to go deep here and bring on incredible people like Joe every single week. And if you're returning, I just want to say I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much. You are absolutely what makes this possible. And if you're new or returning, I have a favor. And that is if you have a friend that could learn about how to create incredible experiences, serve customers, how to get 90% referral rates and and get 90% of your business from referrals, please share this episode with them. My life has absolutely been changed by people that have shared episodes with me. It's why I'm a podcaster today. And so if you've really enjoyed all the incredible things that Joe has shared with us, you can tell he's obviously a great human. Please share this because it can actually change someone's life. So um, all that to say, really appreciate you, whether you're new returning and Joe, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast and we'll talk to you soon. Hi, everybody. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week 
just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, 5 to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.